Hi, my name is Andrea Bumstead and I am a member at Restore Temecula. If you are new, we want to welcome you and thank you for tuning in. We believe the church is not an event, but a family that you belong to. So we would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you want to learn more about our church or if we can help in any way, please visit our website at www.RestoreTemecula.com and click on Contact. We also have a mobile app with resources, including our Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app on the Apple or Android App Store. With all of that said, we hope you enjoy the message. Um, so the weather is, uh, give me, before we get started, give me some adjectives to describe the weather right now. Okay, so I heard, I heard awful. What else? Ugly? Calming? Overcast. Literally perfect. All right. Um... I want, us to, I want us to always be growing and developing in our awareness of what's happening around us spiritually. I want us to always be um, growing in our discernment of what God's up to in us, around us, in the people around us. And um, before I jump into the teaching, any, did anybody else feel, it's overcast outside, okay? Did anybody else feel the spiritual overcastness this morning, like the last, I don't know, 30 minutes. Raise your hand if you can feel it. A little bit? Handful of you are like, what are you talking about, bro? Don't get weird on me. Listen, um, we've been talking about this reality. We're not just physical beings, we're spiritual beings. Um, and there's a reality to, uh, there are opposing kingdoms that are in opposition to the kingdom of God. There are very real spiritual forces that do not want you to behold the glory of God because if you behold the glory of God, what happens? You become like him. We've been talking about this for like months, right? And so I use that as the kind of segue. We, we've, been, we've been camping out in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 for months now. We're, we're in a series called Priesthood where we are, we really feel led by God to kind of recover and restore our priestly identity as Christians. And when I say identity, I mean that, that this reality of, of, of a priesthood, a collective of priests, that, that it's not just kind of things that we do, it's part of who we are. It's part of who you are. If you're in Christ, you are a priest. It's part of who you are. And when I say priest, I mean someone who's, who's orienting their life around blessing God. Like oftentimes we pray, God bless me, bless this, bless that. That's wonderful. We ought to pray those things. However, that's different than I want to bless him. I want to minister to him. Uh, I, I want to praise him. I, I want to worship him. Not to get something from him, but just because he's worthy. He's supremely worthy. And I want you to see, I'm hoping that we continue to continue to grow this, but I, I hope that most of you, if not all of you, could sense and feel the spiritual temperature the last half an hour and how it's not just overcast outside. It's overcast in this room. And here's what, I don't say that to discourage us. That kind of excites me. It excites me and here's why. Because there's something that God's up to that's worth 
distracting you from. There's something that God wants to accomplish in you as an individual, in us as a church, and I would dare I say this morning today to where very real opposing spiritual forces are doing everything they can to distract you, to discourage you, because I think God's on about something, okay? And so here's what I want to do. Before we jump into things, I want to I read 2 Corinthians 3.18 because we've been camping out here. By this point, I'm sure you guys have it memorized. If not, that's fine. We're going to keep at it because there's something profound here for us that I think God wants to ingrain deep inside of us. Like, uh, dare I say, a powerful and profound kingdom seed planted deep within your heart, deep within your mind, deep within you as a person, and deep within us as a people that I think is going to produce an amazing harvest, amazing spiritual fruit. 2 Corinthians 3.18, let's read it together. And we all, everybody say we all. We all. Well done. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That's the work of the Spirit of God. It's, it's, it's Paul's discipleship strategy. Because like, if you want to become like Jesus, look at, look at him. You want to become like God, look at him. Because you become like what you behold. What, whatever you give your attention to is going to form you into its likeness. We've been talking about this for weeks. I don't want to spend too much time because my clock is ticking quickly, okay? What you give your attention to, it forms you into your likeness. And we've covered a bunch of different things in this series. If you've missed anything, please go back and listen to it. Not because I want you to hear me talk, but because I think God's on about something with us. I think he's really forming us in some really, really important ways. We talked about beholding God in scripture, in his word, in the Bible. We've talked about beholding God in our failures when we blow it, when we sin, Oftentimes when we sin, what do we do? We kind of like, uh, we, we kind of like pull away from God. God, no, look at me. Forgiving, gracious, loving, kind, sacrificial. We talked about beholding God through humility. We talked about beholding God in the storms of life when things feel chaotic and you're uneasy and you feel oppressed, all the things. We talked about beholding God in our work. Last week, we talked about beholding God as image bearers. Like that's your purpose as a human being. What I want to talk about today is, is that corporate beholding. We just read, I want to talk about the we all aspect of beholding the glory of God and then being transformed into his likeness from one degree of glory to the next. Because beholding God is not just something that's done individually. It is something that's done individually, but that's only part of the equation. Beholding God is also meant it's also meant to be done in community, okay? So that's what we're going to talk about today. If you have your Bible, go ahead and grab that. We're going to be in Acts chapter 9. You can go ahead and flip there. I'll have the, we'll have the words on the screen for you. Acts chapter 9. I will be in the CSB translation for the rest of the morning. If you don't have that translation, uh, David and the crew's got it up there for you. Thank you, David. Okay. I want to pray for us before we read this. There's nothing like a, a, I have a clock on my iPad right in front of me. There's nothing like a clock counting down to make me want to talk faster. So I'm going to be like, slow down. I have a lot to get through, but I think it's going to be important. All right, let's pray together before we read this, huh? More of, your, more of your presence, Holy Spirit, I pray. 
more awareness, more discernment of your presence, Lord, I pray. Anything and everything that is a distraction for us this morning, that's preoccupying our minds, even right now people's minds are drifting. We're talking about beholding you, God. Help us to do that, Holy Spirit, I pray. We want to encounter you. I don't want to just hear things about you. I want want to encounter you, Lord Jesus. There's nobody like you. We honor you right now with our minds. We honor you right now with our bodies. And we ask you to reveal the glory of Jesus to us, we pray. You're so wonderful, Jesus. We love you. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. Okay. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Now Saul, uh, Saul is basically the apostle Paul before this moment. It's, it's, it's about to have, he's about to have a massive encounter with Jesus. And he was known as Saul before, and then he has an encounter with Jesus. And you guys know the story. He's the greatest missionary church planter in the history of the world. Now Saul, soon to be the apostle Paul, was still breathing threats and murder against the, disciple, the disciples of the Lord. So... This guy, Saul, who would become the Apostle Paul, he's basically radically persecuting people that are following Jesus. So he's seeking out Christians, and he's organizing their oppression, their persecution, and their murder, okay? Pretty intense. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus so that, he, so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, that's basically Christianity, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Okay, so imagine somebody uh, not here with us, not among us right now, that is uh, seeking to hunt you as a Christian and bring you into, uh, I guess, custody to have their way with you and hurt you and persecute you. That's basically what Paul's doing, what Saul's doing. Verse three, as he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? If you have a pen, underline me. Who are you, Lord? Saul said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. Okay. We talk about this we all, this corporate beholding piece. I wanna, I wanna lay the groundwork for where we're going this morning by, te- by helping you see in the Bible that Jesus is, is united with his people, okay? Jesus says, essentially, to persecute Christians is to persecute me. Did you catch that? So, so Saul is, is persecuting Christians and Jesus shows up and goes, why are you persecuting, not them, why are you persecuting me? Now, what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to misunderstand and think that this is like the the protective big brother showing up. You know what I mean? Uh, My brother, Mark, when we're we're about four and a half years apart, and I remember a time, our our, our bus stop was at the top of the street that we we grew up on, and I remember, I I was a little older, so I got out of school a little bit before him. I think you were either... You were probably like elementary school or junior high or something. And I remember one, one afternoon, I looked up the street and I could see some kid. Mark had his basketball with him and he was taking it to school and stuff. Mark, he was a gifted athlete. And uh, these kids started picking on him with his basketball. And I remember like running up the street and being like, yo, 
That's my brother. You know, like, if you mess with him, you mess with me kind of thing. Um, that's not what Jesus is doing here. That's not, that's not what's happening. It, it's something so much deeper. You see, the night before Jesus goes to the cross, he prays for something that's absolutely incredible. Maybe you've read it before. It's in John 17. What he does is he prays for oneness with his people. Let me read this to you out of John 17, starting in verse 20. This is, this is, this is Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our God. This is his prayer. What a treasure that we have this, huh? This is what he says, amongst other things. He goes, I pray not only for these, that these are his, his 12, the 12 apostles, right? you know, the original 12, minus Judas. I pray not only for these guys, but also for those who believe in me through their word. That's the church. That's all of us. Verse 21, may they, that's us, all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. Verse 22, I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Uh, Jesus is praying for oneness with God and the church. Think about this, oneness. Uniqueness, yet oneness. And he says, he says for a reason. Did you catch out what the reason was? So that the world would essentially know the love of God. Uh, quote for you from a, a pastor and a writer, Sam Whitfield. He says this quote, and if you, if you guys have it, great. The Father, God the Father, answers every prayer that Jesus prays, which means the church must become so much like Jesus that she's an undeniable witness that he exists and that he is the divine human who has descended, right? That means came down from heaven ascended, right? And then will descend again in the second coming. Listen to this. If Jesus wants the world to behold him in his people, then he also expects us to be able to behold him in his people. Friends, I want you to see what what he's saying here. God is united with his people. Do do you realize the implications here? Do, Do you realize what this means? This is kind of the crux of my message this morning. It means that we can behold God in the church. We can behold God in each other. Now again, I'm not, I've said this a couple weeks in a row, I'm not saying that you are divine as though you are God. No, 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 no. But we're image bearers. We're created in, we talked about this last week, but we can behold God in each other. We can behold God in the church Right? Last week we talked about how, uh, what, what a spirit is. A spirit is, a, is a, it's a, it's an animating power, or like an energy, right? We talked about how, how a spirit is like wind, like, a, like, like wind in a sailboat. You, you can't see the wind, but you can see what it does. You can see the effect that it has on things. Uh, take your right hand, hold it up in the air. Everybody do this with me. 
Okay, I want you to put your right hand, I want you to put it on your chest. Take your left hand, put it up on the air. I want you to put that on your tummy. If you're a Christian, the Spirit of God is in there. Take a breath with me. Breathe it out. Consider that for a second, huh? A holy, divine, gracious, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving Spirit of Almighty God is living in there. I heard a pastor one time say, you and I are lucky that we don't explode. (laughs) Guys, God's spirit is within the Christian. So hear me. We can behold God operating in each other, in the church, okay? So what I mean by that is like, When I look at you, I can see God. Again, I'm not saying you are God. I can see his spirit as an animating power and energy animating you. Let's just, let's just, Herrick Berga, okay? When I look at Herrick, I can see God's spirit animating him. I get to spend a lot of time with Eric. His his faithfulness, his care, not just for me, but for us. When I look at Eric, I can see God. I can behold God through this man. Where's Brandon? I see his wife. Of course he is. (laughs) When I look at Brandon, I can see God, the way he serves us all, all the time. What a servant. You know who else serves me all the time? Even better than Brandon is Jesus. I can see God when I look at him. Lisa's in front of me. Like, this woman, her compassion, like, her kindness, I I look at least I can see him. Dorian, where you at? My man. Humility, courage, I look at D, I could spend a lot of time with D, and I see God. And I could look around the room right now, like Erica, Gabe, like Granny, I could, like, I, I could spend the whole morning just like going around the room and being like, dude, I see the Spirit of God. Are you with me? Do you see where I'm going with this? When I look at you, I can see God. Friends, can you just take a minute and look around? Thank you for those of you that actually did that right now. Some of you are like. I will not be seen looking around. This is a tiered room. I'm supposed to look this way like there's a movie on. Um, Two summers ago, uh, me and uh, a bunch of the, the gospel community leader men, we went on this backpacking trip. And we went, and the goal was we we're going to spend three days in the mountains, and we were going to, in the middle day, we were going to summit Mount San Jacinto, uh, which is that way. Yes. And great trip. It was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was really, really good. 
That second day, the, the, the day we were going to, we had like a base camp and then we we're going to sum it up. And so we're on the hike up the mountain, right? And if you've ever, if you've ever summited San Antonio, you know, like it's not the craziest hike in the world, but there's stretches where like the elevation, like you're, you go up in elevation fairly quickly, it gets steep, so your oxygen levels are low, but it's like, oh, this is a bit of a workout, like, whew, okay. And we're just like in a line going up this mountain, like on our way to the summit. And, and I remember we got up to this like ridge and we were fairly close, we are maybe three quarters of the way up. And we got to this ridge. And if you've, ever, if you've ever been hiking and you're tired, when you're hiking, you know, you don't hike, like you hike like this. When you're tired, you're just like one foot, you're like looking at the, at the trail. Maybe if someone's coming back down, you look up, but most of the time you're just looking down because you're just trying to trek through it, you know, you're trying to keep your energy, but you're, you're tired. And so we're walking up and we, and we, come, up, we come on this ridge and, and I kind of look over to my right and it's just this spectacular view. I'm talking like as far as the eye can see, it was clear, it was sunny, it was gorgeous. And I remember just being like, guys, guys, stop a second. Like, look around. Look at all the glory. Like, I've been looking at this trail or if someone was in front of me, like, I've just been looking down. I've been, I've been, I've been making my way up the mountain. You know, I've been, I've been hiking. I've been kind of dredging through it because it's getting, it's getting challenging. And all the while, stop, look around at the glory that's right there. Church, it would, be, it would do you really, really well to stop for a moment and look around you. The Spirit of God animating, energizing the people of God around you. It's, it's interesting to me because I, I struggle with something I'm about to share with you that I think everybody does. We are like, God, Jesus, where are you? Like, I'm, I'm having a hard time, and I, I can't, I, I feel like there's like a block, and I feel like I can't experience you the way that I want to. Maybe on the hike of life, I'm just looking down. And all the while, the Spirit's like, stop and look around, bro. The glory of the Lord in his people all around you, in his church. Behold. Behold. Listen, I tell you that story because I want you to see Jesus. Like, I want you to see Jesus. I want us to be a people who don't approach life in ways that God never intended for us to approach life. I want us to approach life the way that Jesus would instruct us to, the way that Jesus would invite us to. And part of that, a huge part of that, involves reorienting our entire life around beholding God. And one of the most profound ways we do that is by beholding God in his church, each other. I can't think, I can't think of anything that I would want more than to see him. I would, I would empty my bank account. I would, I would get rid of every single resource I have. If I knew that it meant Jesus was gonna walk through that door in the physical right here, right now, I would, I can't think of anything I would want more than that. And as much as I want to see him, I want to behold him in a very, very powerful and unique way, I get to all the time. And so do you. 
We can behold God in each other. Now, the scriptures are full of, not full, there's a handful of metaphors in the Bible that are used to describe the church, right? The one that we reference, the one that's the most frequently referenced and the one that we talk about the most is that one of family, right? This familial language that the Bible uses to describe the church. But there's another metaphor that's really powerful that I wanna, I wanna touch on here and that's, that's the metaphor of the body, right? That, that, that the church is the body of Christ. Look over uh, Colossians chapter one, verse 18 with me. It says this, again, this is Paul writing. He says, this is, funny, funny enough, that guy Saul, right? This is persecuting Christians, this is what he says after he has a, this radical encounter with Jesus. His life is transformed. He yields to Jesus, his lordship in every area of his life and you just see the kingdom of God come through this man in profound ways. Used to be Saul, now the apostle Paul says this. He, the he, there's Jesus, is also the head of the body, the church. So Paul's saying the church is the body and that Jesus Christ is the head of that body. He, Jesus, is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. Some translations say preeminence, but I love that language, first place. Jesus has first place in everything. He's the highest priority in everything. Uh, Flip over to Ephesians chapter one. Again, Paul writing, starting in verse 22. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him, Jesus, as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. Again, Jesus the head, the church is the what? The body. Ephesians chapter four, verse 15 through 16. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ, from him the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Again, this, this, this picture is profound. Jesus is the head, the church, the disciples of Jesus, the body. Jesus is the head, the church is the body. Do you realize what this means, guys? Let me read you another quote. Sam Whitfield again for the win. Quote, I'm gonna read this slow. Try to soak this up. This is, this is like life-changing stuff, okay? God chose to reveal himself in one man, Jesus, right? And a people joined to that man. Both revelations revealing, right? Both revelations are required for God to be made known and both make him known in the way that he wants to be known. The head of a body is the highest, most prominent part of a person. It is where a person's nature, intelligence, emotions, and identity are found. The head leads the body, and the body cannot function without the head. Yet if you only see a person's head, you do not fully see the person because the head is only a small part of a person. The implications are astounding. Listen to this. The revelation of Jesus is incomplete without his people. Uh, He continues on. This is big. 
We often overlook the revelation of Jesus in his people because we know each other well and are familiar with each other's failures and shortcomings. God, on the contrary, displays his glory powerfully in his people, and we can behold the face of Jesus in the local church. I love this. It is an imperfect picture of Jesus, which is why we often devalue it, but it is an authentic picture of Jesus nonetheless. End quote. The church is the body of Christ. And what that means, part of, a huge part of what that means is that the revelation of Jesus is incomplete without his people. In other words, you need the church and the church needs you. We talk about it all the time. Church is not an event. When I say you need the church, I don't mean like, you need to come to the event. The church is not an event. The church is not a building. The church is not a business. The church is a worshiping family. That's what it is. And according to God, through his word, we need each other. We need each other in all of our diversity. Our diversity of gifts our diversity of experiences, our diversity of stages of life. Like, hear me, your personal, individual discipleship to Jesus, it matters to the rest of the church. In the same way, the eyes matter to the hands and the hands matter to the eyes. Do you realize how much dignity you have? Do you realize how important you are? Not to the flourishing of an organization. Not to like us getting our attendance up on Sundays. No. To the rest of the body of Christ beholding the glory of God in you, man. Let's go. <laughs> we need each other if we want to behold the glory of Jesus more fully. But can we just be kind of honest here for a second? The church can be pretty messy, huh? The church can be pretty messy um, because we don't always reflect God in the most accurate of ways, now do we? <laughs> or maybe just me. I'm, I'm a mess. We don't always reflect him as the image bearers, bearers that he made us to be. Sometimes what we reflect to the world around us doesn't look a whole lot like Jesus. Because of our own brokenness, because of the things that we struggle with and all the things, right? We talked more about that last week, but sometimes the church is a significant source of pain in people's lives. Like suffering and hurt Because the church is made up of a bunch of sinners who need Jesus' grace. Thankfully, we have it, we've received it, and we're receiving it every day, orienting our lives around beholding him and enjoying him and receiving his just wonderful grace for us. It's made up of sinners. Now, the church can be messy, and typically what happens 
is when we encounter the messiness of the church is typically, there's kind of two responses, right? Two negative responses. There's a ton of positive responses that you guys live out on the regular. But there's two kind of negative responses that happen fairly regularly. One, people encounter the messiness, they get hurt, and then they begin to develop patterns of avoiding the church. The next one is they, they encounter the messiness. There's, there's offense, there's hurt, and rightfully so. There's a, they were offended. They really were sinned against, right? A leader, whatever. They encounter the messiness, and they either avoid, or sometimes they'll start to redefine the church based on their own terms, how they think it should go, how they think the church should operate. And here's, here's the thing. Both of them are done out of self-protection. Uh, you ever like go to the doctor, you know, and they sit you down and they hit you right here on your knee? What happened? I just did it. <laughs> it your reflex, right? We're talking about a reflex. We're talking about a reflex. Someone has encountered sin in other people at the hands of the church and they, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to avoid, I'm going to pull back. Or I'm going to redefine things so that I can still like have the Christian life, but not on God's terms, on a way that I can do it this way and I can kind of slightly redefine what the church is, how it operates biblically so that I can protect myself from harmful, hurtful sinners that are making up the church. And so here, here, the reason I bring that up is not to throw shade at anybody. I totally get it. I totally get it. It makes perfect sense, but there's a better way. There's a better way than the avoiding. There's a better way than the redefining. And one of the things, how much time do I, oh boy. One of the things that I think has like marked our church, at least in, in thus far in the life of, of our community, is we just have a significant amount of people who have experienced a significant amount of pain and hurt at the hands of the church. It's like a big part of who we are. I think it's God's kindness that he's, he's, he's nursing us, that he's caring for us, that he's healing some of these wounds. But it's a big part of our story this far. It's not everybody. It's not. But it's a significant amount of us. And here's the challenging part, though. Because I don't want to, like, dismiss sin just because it happens at the hands of a Christian or, or, or a pastor, even. It's still sin. It still hurts people. But here's the thing. Missing out on the church, it means missing out on Jesus. And I, I just want to take a moment and just like publicly acknowledge how proud I am, how proud Herrick and I both are of you guys. So many of you guys have been like really, really hurt by the church. Like, significantly. And despite the wounds, the very real wounds, the very real pains, despite the challenges, so many of you are like persevering in your faith, growing in your faith, developing in the way of Jesus. And you haven't given up on the church. 
even when you're tempted to avoid it or redefine it, you have it. It's beautiful. I want to affirm you. I see it. I can see God's spirit operating in you. And it fires me up, man. It's beautiful. Friends, the church can be messy, but she's worth it because missing out on the church means missing out on Jesus. And here's the thing. As much as the church is worth it, it's only, it's because he's worth it. It's because Jesus is worth it. The one who willingly subjected himself to more suffering, both physically and spiritually, than anybody ever has in the world. Why would somebody do that? Why would somebody willingly sign up for the pinnacle of suffering, spiritually and physically? The reason Jesus did it was because of his passion for you and his passion for me. Because of his loyalty and his faithful love and his his unending mercy and desire for you to be one with him and to be one with each other, that eternal oneness of knowing God, not knowing things about him, intimacy. Jesus willingly goes to the cross because he loves you. And there's all sorts of things in life that want to roll in the, the overcast, the spiritual overcastness in the room. So that you're numb to the reality of the, of the love of God for you. For you. For you. He's worth it. It's about Him. Yeah, the church is worth it because we, if we miss out on the church, we miss out on him. But the whole point is that we would miss out on him. We don't want to miss out on him. The lover of your soul. The one who will never forsake you or leave you because he loves you. He's that radically committed to you. Not because of what you do or what you don't do, but because of who he is. We can behold God in the church. And guys, this is at the core of how we operate as a local church. This is like, this is foundational for us. This, this, this informs everything that we do, all right? A little review, little vision. This won't be news to any of you. Our, our strategies for spiritual formation. When I say strategies, if we were a football team, right, we would run some specific plays, We'd have a playbook, okay? Our playbook is very thin. The strategies that we run to become like Jesus, that's spiritual formation, that's discipleship, right? A disciple is someone who's learning to enjoy Jesus, obey Jesus, and operate like Jesus in every single area of life. So we run plays to do that, to develop in those ways. Gospel community, it's a play that we run. It's a strategy that we have in place to become more like Jesus, This right here, Sunday worship gathering, it's a strategy in place that we have to collectively, corporately become more like him through beholding him, right? The prayer room, same thing. Socials, same thing. Now hear me. All of these things, they're all an opportunity to behold God in his church, in each other. Even the socials. Think about this. Your friends and neighbors, they hang out with Vinny or Robbie 
or Aaron or Mike or Gabe. And guess what opportunity they have? They have the opportunity to behold God in these men. Somebody who typically wouldn't have access to the presence of God in a meaningful, intentional way. God's presence is everywhere. But I'm talking intentional like there's an opportunity for them to behold him in the church. You with me? It's not just for fun, although they're fun. Kill two birds with one stone. I'm good with that. Do you see it? These are the plays we run, man. Small playbook. But guess what? You keep running the play, you keep running the play, the enemy flees. He comes back, we keep running the play. Run it up the gut. Punch him in the mouth. Okay, I have five minutes left. I will close with this. Band, would you guys come up and join us? How are we doing? You with me? It's not, hopefully it's not as overcast in the room now. It's my prayer. <laughs> uh, so the, la- the weather the last couple weeks has been really weird to me in that there'll be moments where it's spectacular, you know? Like I was sitting in my backyard uh, maybe a week ago and it was like warm enough in the sun to where I'm like, oh, it's kind of warm. But the breeze was really cool. It felt like ocean. It felt like 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 beach weather, where you're like, I'm sitting in the sun. It feels incredible. It's kind of hot, but then the breeze kicks in. And it's that cool breeze that cools you down. It was spectacular. And then there's moments like this where you're like, the marine layer. Have you seen the mountains um, on the west side of the uh, of the freeway? Have you seen the marine layer? It's, it's always there, but it's like way bigger than normal. Like the marine layer and the fog, there's, there's moments where that marine layer and fog was so thick that you could not see those, those big mountains. And not just in certain parts, like the whole stretch. It was crazy. You have trouble seeing the mountains sometimes because the marine layer and the fog is so thick. But regardless, those mountains are still there, Right? If you live here, you know, like, I can't see them, but they're there. I know that they're there, even if I have trouble seeing them. Sometimes in life, the marine layer of pain, the marine layer of hurt, sometimes the the, the fog of fear, It's so thick that you have trouble seeing God. Sometimes it's so thick that you specifically have trouble seeing God in his church, in his people. And as a result, you miss out. You miss out on beholding the glory of God. You miss out on what's actually there. In my heart this morning, in my life, I I include myself in this in a big way. I don't want any any of us to miss out on the glory of God. 
all around us. He's with us. And he's, and he's within us. And he's always working. He's always moving. He's relentless. I love that about him, don't you? So here's what I'm gonna do. I, I wanna, I actually kinda wanna reflect a little bit. Uh, here's what I wanna I want do. I wanna invite you right now, everybody, would you just close your eyes? Just close your eyes. And this isn't to be like overly spiritual. This is just to focus spiritually. Give it a go. And maybe just maybe the Spirit of God is bringing to mind some ways that he has revealed his glory to you through his church. Holy Spirit, would you do that right now? God's revealing to you right now the ways that he's revealed his glory through his church to you. We just thank him. Would you just thank him? Would you thank him and express gratitude to him for the ways that he's pursuing you? And maybe there's some Maybe there's some ways that God desires to reveal his glory to you through the church, but maybe the fog of fear, maybe the, the marine layer of pain and of hurt are getting in the way. And you're having trouble seeing what's actually there. give him a moment. His pace is different than your pace. Oh yeah, that overcast spirit is lifting, isn't it? There it goes. Come, Holy Spirit. There it goes. Some of you, you've, uh, you've actually pulled back. Some of you, you, you've pulled away from where you once were. That pain, that hurt, the, the fear of, of, of like actually being known, not allowing people to know the real you, the real experiences that you've had. 
the real things that you've done, the real things that have been done to you. For some of you, there's this underlying fear of like giving, actually like handing Jesus full control over your life because if he's fully in control, it means you're not. And that, that there, there's, a, there's a fear in you with that. What if he knows best? What if he really knows best? And and what if missing out on the church really does mean missing out on Jesus? The fullness of his revelation. God, I pray for every single one of us, myself included, right now. Through the power and the grace of your Holy Spirit, that you would help us, that you would empower us, you would enable us to behold you in your church, to behold you in each other, to see and experience with gratitude and thanksgiving the ways that you are animating us through your Spirit within us. And that we wouldn't begin to give credit to man, but that we would see man as the vehicle that he is for the manifestation of Jesus Christ on the earth. Priests. Image bearers. Made in God's likeness. Reflecting his image all around. God, would you fill the earth with your glory through us? And would you, I pray against the the, the spiritual oppression. I pray against the, the overcast spirit. I pray against the marine layer, the fog that keeps us from seeing things clearly. Your kingdom's all around us. It's at work. It's you're moving. You're not absent. And yet we take the bait to believe that you are because there's brokenness around us and brokenness within us. Break it off now in the name of Jesus, I pray. Make us a beholding people. God, I will preach on this this verse for five more years if that's what it takes. Break off the lukewarmness now, I pray. Give us eyes to see. Open the eyes of our heart. Enlighten us to see reality. us to see, help us to behold the glory of Jesus in all things. We want him to be preeminent. We want him to be first place in all things. Your grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. Thank you. Thank you, Father. We love you. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.